Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is nobody expect one special person who we normally have on Fridays, but everyone else, uh, well, there's just too much information and we just, sorry, can't deal with them today, unfortunately. On today's show, we will talk with Gareth Von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. Uh, that is SKNR.net. All of, well, not all of them because there's so much, but we do have a lot of E3 news that just went down this week, so we got to talk about it. If you guys want to get a hold of us, you can do so by uh, go ahead and uh, go to bjgeeknation.com. You can find uh, uh, podcasts, uh, all sorts of other things, and that more. And uh, also send us an email, bjgeeknation at gmail.com. Plenty of ways to get a hold of us. And uh, yeah, actually, this is a really big episode because E3 did happen this last week. Lots of information out there. And to be perfectly honest, we are... This is a big one, but we're still barely scratching the surface. So with everything, Gareth is going to have more information that he gets here at Skewed and Reviewed, and you can find that at sknr.net. But for this, find out all the information that we're going to talk about today right now with Mr. Gareth. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Reviewed. That is sknr.net. And Gareth, E3 went down, and there's a lot of information to go through. So let's start off with Call of Duty Season 4. This is a really good thing because there was a lot of uh, talk about um, Activision not having a formal presence at E3, and they actually went with the Summer Game Fest, which was just before the main show. And the good thing about it was, while they did not announce the newest game, they did confirm that is coming. We're going to get that announcement later this year. It is going to be out in the fall. But what they did was show us off this wonderful new season four that just dropped the other day. And we're going to get, and it's all free and we get all this new content for both black ops, cold war, as well as Warzone. And one of the big advantages for the black ops, cold war people is there's a brand new zombie campaign mm. and there's some new maps, including uh, a return of hijacked, which is one of the popular black ops maps that has, Uh, resurrected itself for a limited time over the various Black Ops incarnations. If anyone remembers, this is the one on the big yacht where you, you know, can start at the stern or the bow and then you fight each other. And it's been a very popular map. And they have various ones. Some are set for like the two-on-two, the three-on-three. And then you have the standard six-by-six. So it's a nice way to give you a little something to keep you busy until the next game drops. Now, you know, are there going to be new updates between now and the new game? Probably. Will there be a new season? Hard to say. At this point, they might say, okay, you know, we're good because traditionally we're going to be looking at the new game probably October, November. And, but we may have one more update. Who knows? But at least this will give us something to keep us going. Yeah. I mean, you got to have something to go on while you're waiting for every other game to drop. Uh, some not until uh, next year. Um, along uh, the other lines of uh, downloadable content or additions and stuff like that, we got some more stuff for Far Cry 6, correct? Yeah. And that's going to be really interesting because Far Cry 6 is due out in October. And one of the great things about the previous Far Cry, and I don't refer to. Uh, New Dawn, which was essentially a sequel to Far Cry 5, I mean, I'm talking Far Cry 5 itself, was that they had very creative DLC for it. And they've always had creative expansions for the game that are not 
necessarily related to the core story. And one of the great things about the last one was they had one that was set in Vietnam. They had one that was set in Mars. So, of course, you had different weaponry, so on and so forth. And then they came out with a, a, a game with New Dawn that essentially sequelized Far Cry 5. So one of the things that they've done this time out without tipping their hand as to what the levels are going to be is that you will be able to play as bad guys from past Far Cry games. Mm. And they showed uh, Far Cry 3, they've showed Far Cry 4, and Far Cry 5 as playable villains. And I thought that could be a very interesting twist. Yeah, it always seems to be one of those things that people really enjoy to do, especially when the fact that you get down and you've maybe played the game a bunch, and you're like, no, I want to play the bad guy at this point in time. I mean, everyone loves a good villain. Exactly. And it'll be interesting to see if they decide to say, we're going to make this content specific to the game that this character appeared in, or are they just going to throw them all in some completely crazy scenario uh, you know, where you're not playing on the desert island, you are playing in space or, you know, <laughs> maybe in the deep south or somewhere like that. Or are they going to take the, you know, bizarre cult leader from Far Cry 5, take him out of the wilds of Montana and maybe put him somewhere crazy, like put him in a tropical island. So who knows? <laughs> That's the beauty of it. That is a lot of fun when it comes down to all of that. Uh, moving on from that, what are the new updates on Rainbow Six? Well, Rainbow Six is getting new content, new season out right now, but what everybody got really excited over was the um, announcement of a new game called Extraction. And there was some talk that there was a cross uh, Tom Clancy universe game in the works that would involve Rainbow Six, The Division, others. That wasn't announced. We didn't get anything on any of the new... um, Division games, that sort of thing. But this one is very interesting. It is a three-player co-op. And that right there is is kind of an interesting thing for me because we're so used to the four-player co-op that we've seen in World War Z that it's announcing new content. The Ash versus Evil Dead four-player co-op. We all know about Left for Dead, Back for Blood four-player co-op. But then it seems like the tide changed a little bit with Aliens Fireteam announcing they're only going to be three players. And this one is following the same format. There is a alien slash otherworldly infestation, and you put your three-player team together and you go in and clear out the infestation. So you get the squad-based combat and tactics that Rainbow Six is famous for, but it looks like you have a little bit more um, freedom in terms of your gameplay, in terms of it's not hush, breach, send in the camera, that sort of thing. And I'm very curious to see how that plays out. It's interesting, too, because I know a lot of the times people will have, especially with the four-player co-ops, they'll actually have a more difficult time trying to get a fourth person. Getting three people seems to be a, like an easier kind of sweet spot to get players. Exactly. And, you know, it's like anything else. It's having, uh, I saw a good example of this when they put out to everyone's shock when they had the, the modders put out the sanctioned and approved new chapter for Left for Dead uh, about a year ago after, you know, ages had passed without any new content. And it was hard to get the old squad back together. 
And we were originally going in with random people, and you had people who were staying on objective, and then you had these lone wolves going off and doing their (laughs) own thing, and it just kept goofing everything up. And it was ironic that once I got the old squad back together, we went through the mission and completed it, and we were sitting there going, yeah. So, you know, believe me, I know how much fun it is to run off and start gunning down everything in sight, but there has to be a time when you say, I'm going to hold back, or you know what? I'm just there's the boat. I'm going to run for it and hope nothing catches me. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you got to play the team games with the full team. If you do public, uh, all bets are off when it comes down to that. Uh, oh, exactly. <laughs> now I am really excited for this because Fallout 76. I got back into it, man. They brought me back just based on this announcement. Yeah, and see, the great thing is it's not just one. There are two announcements, and they're going to be here in July early July, at least the first one is. So uh, while there, it did slip under the radar that they're getting rid of the player versus player part of uh, Fallout, you remember they had the, essentially some people referred to it as the Battle Royale mode. Oh, yeah, Nuclear Winter, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And, you know, I, I remember playing it at E3 and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I've stayed on to the core of the game. Now, uh, the new one, Steel Reich, is coming. And so you're going to get the Brotherhood of the Steel. They're going to complete that story mode. That's what always drives me back in. Mm -hmm. The events are great. The new items are great. I'm not as big on the looting and the crafting. I want to play the story. I want to advance the story. So when they tell me new story missions, new um, uh, areas to explore, I'm into that. You know, you tell me, oh, I can go and get this special, unique crafted item. Not as much of a draw to me. I will go in and look if it's in the context of more stuff, but just on its own. And so to do that was really good because I really enjoyed the last story uh, update. And we talked about how it just kind of ended abruptly. Yeah. And we're like, okay. So we all knew more was coming. This is the more. But what I'm really intrigued by was the other announcement of the pit. Oh, yes. The brand new, we're going to get out of West Virginia and go into Pittsburgh and uh, go around there. And we all know that's, you know, it's rife with what are they going to do? New monsters, new factions, new, I mean, yeah. And then how big is this going to be? Because you sit there and you play around in your head going, are they, you know, we can say Appalachia is pretty filled out. The map's pretty filled out. So is this going to be the brand new area where they have exciting on that end because the pit to fill in for us and it's really exciting on that end because the pit, I think, may have been DLC or at least referenced and maybe Fallout 3. Um, so it was a long time coming for this. Um, but essentially, when you got into that, they're like, yeah, this thing has been fixed and taken over during that timeline. And, you know, I think maybe Raiders or maybe they actually had a whole setup with that. But when you're talking about story, the beginning of this, it was an irradiated wasteland. Like, Pittsburgh got decimated. So it's going to be really exciting to go into this in the early stages because of how early Fallout 76 is set in the Fallout timeline. This has some implications of having some really, really, really cool monsters exactly and you know and the thing was remember they had talked about this was going to be a long-term game and we all talked about the rough start they got Mm -hmm. but even some of the harshest critics have said you know they've really done a good job the recent updates they've really turned it around they've made a believer out of me and you know the stability is there there's just so much there and you notice 
we didn't hear, oh, hey, here's Fallout 5 or here's this. They do seem very committed to this for the foreseeable uh, future, and I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, the only way I would see something along the lines is if we saw something along what they do with like Call of Duty, where it would be like one team takes over for one set and then goes on to the next, or you know another team does a different one. Like because I think they need a dedicated team for Fallout seventy six, and if they're gonna do a Fallout five, I'm all for it. But at that point, I think they need to have a different group and maybe a whole different engine at that point because the engine itself is super dated. And I think that's a really good point because. They had mentioned briefly with all the teases about Starfield that it was on a new engine. It would not be essentially the old one being um, reused. And, of course, it made people think, well, that'll probably be what the Elder Scrolls Six is powered by. And in time, then you go on to whatever the next Fallout is. Yeah. Or you can upgrade the engine. I mean, we've seen... Uh, you know, Call of Duty started with one engine and they upgraded it over time before they went to a, a newer one. And you saw this with Warcraft, where they started off with one engine mm-hmm. and were able to, you know, enhance it enough to the point where the resolution and everything continued. So who knows what the plan is? Yeah, very excited for that. And I just love the fact that you did mention Starfield because Bethesda had a massive showing and they essentially just kind of boiled down to it's like Starfield, yes, will probably essentially be Skyrim in space, which I am all in for. Exactly. And see, and of course, now everyone's going nuts over the teaser trailer because they say on the side of the console, it appears to indicate where Elder Scrolls Six is located because it shows a map. And so I've, I've seen like the, uh, <laughs> the, the highlighted video and I'm like, wow, you know, I watched the trailer and I never even thought of that going that little, you know, darkened etching on the side of a console as the camera pans by looks exactly like this island and we all know they do stuff like that i mean there was a the reports one company had several potentially unannounced games hidden in the trailers for the games they were announcing but you know it's it, it's just that little bit of stuff to get people talking and going and it, as you said bethesda had a great showcase that is for sure and i mean also along the same lines is uh, outer worlds 2 yeah, and see, this is a good one for fans of um, Fallout. If you want a quirky game, and it's available on, if you have the Xbox uh, season patch, you can get it for both the console and the PC mm-hmm. uh, as part of the extended library. And it is, uh, for many people, it, it's kind of like a quirky version of the Fallout games in that you can go out and you can customize your character, you get the weapons, you're in a sci-fi setting, and then you have the branching storylines and stuff. So if you want something fun with some interesting DLC, it is a, uh, I mean, I, I don't think I would say it has the complexity of Fallout, but it does have a quirky and humorous gameplay that'll uh, help you pass the time. And I do think that that's definitely one that people would enjoy playing. And of course, anytime you get a sequel, it's going to draw interest to the original, especially for people who haven't played that much of it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you did mention the uh, the Game Pass because right now I know that I was able to re-sign up because I got back into Fallout 76 and Xbox was doing a thing and they still might be doing it as of this recording. So check it out and make sure. But it was like three months of the Game Pass for a buck. So I was like, oh yes, I am all in on this one. Yeah, and it's not a bad <laughs> deal because if you're going to play your games online, you're going to have to pay a certain amount of money. So mm-hmm. the argument is, if you pay fourteen ninety nine a month after your trial, you also, in addition to the online access, 
you're getting access to this library of games, both PC and console. And one of the things that Microsoft has been pushing is they've got games from EA there. They've got games from Bethesda. They have a large category. You have the new Halo game coming out. Haven't played Halo? Well, guess what? Here are the old ones. Go <laughs> go download them and play them. And I know I can hear my son saying, yeah, but the storage space on the Xbox One S is not there. Series S isn't that great. It's like, play them one at a time. You know? <laughs> and the thing about it is a lot of games are... Um, going to be available right at launch i mean they've already come out and said not the pc version but the xbox version of back for blood day one launch it's right there so if you're sitting there going boy there's all these games i want to play and i only have 60 bucks and uh you know here's your opportunity to go in and play it without and put your money toward something else and of course you know the argument is oh well you don't own them and it's for a limited time you're gonna if you get on it you're gonna have enough time to get it and play through mm-hmm. it i don't yeah. think you know they're not gonna pull the plug on you <laughs> now if you wait a year or so and then decide to try to run in well then you may have something uh but it is an advantage to go in and play these games and of course right now everybody keeps expecting sony to have some counter answer to it and they've been very quiet a lot of rumors that they're going to be doing their showcase in august and that sort of thing we'll see but for right now you have to take what is available and it's a very large i mean mlb the last mlb game which had been exclusive to sony was available for Xbox, was available day one on uh, Pass. was able to download it and play the moment it went online. And that was something else. I, you know, I started going into the home run derby and honestly <laughs> uh, jammed up my thumb from all the repeated home run <laughs> attempts, especially when you play with the Seattle Mariner lineup. And, oh, dear. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there you have it. Um, going back to the retro, uh, Diablo 2, what the hell is going on with that? Because I'm seeing a lot of talk about this. Are they bringing it back? What the hell is going on? Okay, so what's happening is we all know Diablo 4 is in the works, and everyone's excited and looking forward to that. So what they've done is Blizzard is resurrecting with Diablo 2 Resurrection. They're giving us an enhanced version of Diablo 2, so we're going to oh. get a version that will look better and run better on PC, and will take advantage of the newer consoles. And I'm hoping that, you know, cross-play will be part of it. But essentially, it's a good way to go in there, get your team together, do the hack and slash, and try to do things uh, right. I, I still remember playing with my uh, one of my sisters and a group of people, and we all thought we were so cool. <laughs> and we were whipping through a dungeon, and we kicked in a door, and there was the butcher standing there with the meat cleaver. And before we knew it, we were all puddles on the floor. So, you know, this is a good thing to try to get back into it. It was a classic game. In fact, you can debate it, but I think many people would say they enjoyed Diablo 2 perhaps better than 3. Um, so let's see how it goes over. Now, this next game I'm very interested in because uh, it's going off of vampires. I love vampires, and the fact that maybe I can shoot a bunch of vampires is very interesting. Redfall, tell us a little bit about this. Okay, so this was a big surprise. Nobody really knew about it. It is going to be available on on the Xbox Game Pass right there at launch. It is a new Bethesda game. It is apparently an Xbox exclusive, so don't even know if we're going to get a Windows version of it. And it is a multiplayer co-op 
um, game. So similar in, in concept, things that we've discussed earlier, like Left for Dead, like Extraction, like Back for Blood, uh, Aliens Fire Team, things of that nature. And essentially, you play a team of people who have to go around and take down uh, vampires. And what is really interesting about it is it's by Arcane. And for people who don't recognize the name offhand, this is one of Bethesda Studios who gave us things like the new version of Prey and, oh, yeah, a little uh, series called Dishonored that oh, was yeah. extremely popular. So while the gameplay is different, uh, the fact is you have a very diverse cast of players You've got vampires and you've got weaponry, so there you have it. <laughs> I know. It's like all those cool, awesome things. And, you know, it kind of harkens back to a game that I loved that people, I mean, it was a buggy, hell hell of a mess, uh, was Dead Island. I loved that game so much. And this seems to kind of go off of the vibe, maybe not so much, uh, you know, zombies versus vampires, but it seems like it might be something like that. Yeah, it, it looks like, uh, you know, they're they're very careful not to show too much of it, mm-hmm. but the fact is, put your team together and kill. <laughs> That's the way it works. Exactly. Now, did we get any more news about Tiny Tina? We did hear rumors, and we had mentioned it in the past, that they were going to try to do something with the character and maybe do a new game. Did we get any resolution on that? Oh, we sure did, and it was uh, fantastic. So, indeed, next year, 2022, we're expecting Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, and this is a brand new game. But here's where it gets very interesting, and this is more for the hardcore fans to try to uh, reminisce about. It is not a Borderlands spinoff, even though it features Tiny Tina. It has a very interesting cast. You have Will Arnett in it. You have Wanda Sykes in it, and you have Andy Samberg in it. Now, here's where it gets is from Borderlands 2 DLC. To it is from Borderlands 2 DLC. There was one DLC that was, they were all quite good, but one of them, at least for me, really stood out. And it was all about Tiny Tina and Friends, were sitting around the Vault Hunters, were playing a Dungeons and Dragons style game. Oh. And, and so while they played the Dungeons and Dragons style game, Tina kept redoing the rules as the game went along to fit her narrative. And of course, they would have these framing sequences and you'd see them arguing and playing the game and rolling the dice and the figurines. And then the actual gameplay would, would be you playing the game in a Borderlands style uh, first person uh you know, shooter perspective, and then right in the middle of the action, they would cut, oh, nope, 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 that's not the boss, this is the boss, and all of a sudden, (laughs) you know, this much bigger thing would come in. And it was quirky, it was crazy, there were all these little, you know, love notes to RPG gaming, so apparently what they've decided to do is to say, what would happen if we took that RPG game that they like, that they have made a few solo standalone sets that people can buy, what would happen if we made that RPG as an actual game where instead of just shooting everything in sight, you have a magic element done to it? And sure, it may look and play like Borderlands, but it's Tiny Tina and Friends game. And of course, she can es- essentially change the narrative as she goes. So I'm looking at it as a Borderlands, Tiny Tina, RPG, anything goes, quirky, 
game that will uh, combine the gunplay and, of course, a magic element to it. Yeah, that sounds fantastic and amazing. And uh, a long description that they can't quite fit on the box, but it really does kind of succinctly figure all that out. I love it. Um, now, now we've got a Marvel uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game coming out as well. Correct. It's coming out very soon. And this is uh, an interesting uh, announcement. Uh, we had heard that there were a couple Marvel games in the works. No surprise. Square Enix had gone out and said, hey, we've got all this new DLC still coming for our Marvel's Avengers game. But then we get the announcement about this Marvel's Guardian of the Galaxy game. And this is kind of a interesting take. Now, A, that they announced it and it's, come, it's due out in just a few months. When they were promoting the Avengers game, I remember seeing it and playing it very early, actually, at the last PAX. We had a closed-door meeting where we got to play through a level of it, and they talked about it, and it, they'd had a few things on display at E3. There were some people that, I don't want to say soured on it, but were not as happy with the fact that they didn't like the look and the sound of the characters. They thought they were a little too off what they'd come to you expect from the cinematic versions. So... This time out, we have a solo-based game. You still have the full Guardians team. You can expect other characters. We've already heard Astro is going to show up in it and that sort of thing. The trick is they do have a different look and sound to them than people would expect. And instead of being a multiplayer one where you can go either solo or co-op, you play entirely as Peter Quill's Star-Lord. Oh. And it has elements like one of the things they showed in the trailer was they need money so they decide to sell one of the team to this person as a dangerous creature uh to get the money they need but then in turn once they get the money they're going to bust the person out <laughs> and there's the huge debate that you have to decide are we going to sell Groot or are we going to sell Rocket? <laughs> and then you have to convince the team, and it shows like you have to do this. And as the mission is going along, you're right, you know, right as you get before the fortress, you get the, you sure you want to sell Groot or are you going to sell Rocket? Which one are you going to do? And, you know, the whole debate is, well, Rocket may have a little more value up front, but we're going to need his firepower to get, to pull off the heist. So, back and forth and i thought okay this will be good it looks like it uses a similar gaming engine to what the avengers does it, it shows you know quill with his blasters and he's jumping all over the place and i thought okay so you can't take control of the other characters but you can essentially at times give them commands or at least some kind of leadership but of course they're dysfunctional along the way. They talk about <laughs> you can't kill your teammates, it's part of the contract. I don't remember signing any contract. And so I thought, all right, you know, whatever. This this is gonna be at least well worth a look. Yeah, that actually sounds super fun. And I love the fact that you're just like, well, you have to kind of figure out which team member that you don't need to use specifically for that mission. I really love that little part of that. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, if you can get past that the characters look and sound differently than you would yeah. expect, just get into the game and enjoy it, and I think you'll have a good time. Uh, Ubisoft has now announced an Avatar game. What's going on with that? Well, this is a really interesting one that has some uh, uh, trickle-down effects to it. One of the things that we get at E3 and with any trade show is you have all the people out going, well, we heard about this, and we heard about this years ago, and we haven't had any updates, and where's the update on this, and where's the update on that, and what about all this stuff? And, you know, unfortunately that happens. They, you know, 
no matter how good the announcements are, everybody, someone's always going to complain about, well, what about this and that? <laughs> yeah, right. This had been something we'd heard about years ago, that there was the potential for an Avatar game coming. And so we have this Avatar Frontiers of Pandora coming out. And, of course, you know, next year we're supposed to get, in 2022, supposed to get the first of the new movies, that sort of thing, very exciting. Well, one of the things that I found most interesting about it is that we learned that during a meeting that they had for this Avatar game, this is what got Ubisoft the as-yet-to-be-fully-revealed-but-announced Star Wars game. And that was very intriguing to me that apparently what they heard in the pitch meeting was enough that they did, you know, this was not a Star Wars pitch meeting they went to. This was an Avatar meeting. They went through it. They were going through all of it. And all of a sudden, this led to the Star Wars game happening from them as well. So I'm intrigued. The video they showed looked interesting. Uh, It'll be, you know, a lot of questions. Are there going to be co-op? Is it all single player, multiplayer? How is this going to work? Do you have to play the Navi only? I would assume yes. Uh, but, you know, are you going to have to get on the creatures and travel around with them? I would think so. I because so, that was yeah. A, yeah, it was a big part of the game. Uh, you know, and then, of course, you're taking on the people going around after Unobtainium. So be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, really excited for that because just, I mean, going back and, I mean, the story was what the story was. I'm intrigued to see where they're going to be going with the new movies and also at this point in time to see where this game goes because the movies, the movie itself was just absolutely beautiful. So it would stand a reason that they're going to have to kind of recreate that, the visuals for that. And see, and that's a really good point because one of the things I'm very curious about is the new movies, at least the second one, there's going to be a very big emphasis on the underwater world of Pandora. And they've gone through great lengths to talk about the boats underwater. There'll be new creatures, sentient creatures as well. And you sit there and say, okay, well, this game's probably coming out next year. How close to the release of the new film? And are they going to be at a situation where they are just going to focus on essentially the first film or are they going to have to maybe have a bridge to the second film and possibly include water elements and stuff? Who knows? But uh, I, I could see it saying, here's the game, and hey, guess what? Avatar 2, 3, and 4 would be prime examples for DLC down the line. Yeah, I could see that as well. Uh, finally, I know we're talking a bunch about these video games, but there's so much out there. But going along the lines of movies and video games kind of intertwining, Jurassic World Evolution 2 got a trailer uh, at E3 this year. Yeah, very, very clever timing because we have Fa- uh, Fast and Furious 9 coming out. <laughs> We've already uh, <laughs> talked off air about how certain theaters, I believe IMAX and that, are going to show a trailer for the new Jurassic World movie that is going to be part of the the uh, uh, temptation to get people into the theaters to see Fanta- uh, you know, Fast 9. And to have Jeff Goldblum narrate the trailer <laughs> was an absolute brilliant move. And it is not a DLC that we're understanding. It is a new game, but... Also looked interesting because as they pan over the park and as you build it and maintain it, it does look like it dipped into the oceans. And you're like, okay, Mosasaur time, here we go. (laughs) And as you know, life will always find a way. 
Exactly. And just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Absolutely. But you should check out Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net. You'll get all the information, bigger breakdowns of what happened at E3 just by heading over there. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. Take care, guys. Thank you so much, Gareth. Again, Gareth von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net. Like I just said, hit up more at that site because there is a whole lot of stuff. We didn't even talk about the Nintendo Switch, which is some pretty epic stuff as well. But I am really excited for what they're throwing out there. And if uh, if anyone's out there uh, playing some Fallout 76, hit me up. Maybe uh, we can run uh, the apocalypse together and have some fun. Uh, Until next time, guys, stay nerdy!